You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Pro Prep. On this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest Arsenal transfer rumours, reports. We're also going to be discussing that midfield situation in a little bit more detail. That was my big kind of takeaway from the defeat at Nottingham Forest. Not that we're out of the FA Cup, which is obviously difficult to process and swallow in itself, but the fact that we are worryingly short in various positions at this moment in time. I think that's the bigger concern and it's a concern that kind of fits into the bigger picture, doesn't it? So I think we need to address that. I think we need to talk about that. We need to bring you guys up to speed with what is being reported in the media around our football club today. And uh, we'll discuss some of the players being linked with a move to Emirates Stadium. Uh, big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat box. Hope you are all well. I uh, hope you're all good. Um, so welcome. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the show. Make sure you get involved in the chat box, as you always do, uh, with your questions, with your thoughts on the topics discussed. And uh, let's have a good one. So without further ado, let's get into it. And let's start off with the report that leads the title of this episode of the podcast. Now, it's being reported that Arsenal are interested in signing Juventus's Artur as a short-term loan option to cover that midfield issue because a deal for Bruno Gimaraes, who is said to be much higher up Arsenal's priority list, appears unlikely um, this month. So that is a report uh, that is taken from the words of Fabrizio Romano um, and it's been reported in, in a number of outlets off the back of that. So we're going to discuss that now again, as I've said to you guys throughout this uh, transfer window, and I'll continue to say to you throughout every transfer window, some of these reports we do at this stage need to take them with a pinch of salt. We do still need to be wary of them, conscious of them, and conscious of the fact that some of them can be nothing more than than hot air. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about the reliability of this report and how important it is, uh, or sorry, how accurate it is. And rather, I'm going to spend the time sharing my opinion on what has been said and the players in question. So let's kick off by discussing Artur, of course, uh, currently plays his football for Juventus. And I must admit, when this guy first burst onto the scene, and he burst onto the scene previously when he was playing for uh, Barcelona, I thought he was a top, top player, a top class operator. I remember watching him the first time and thinking, man, this guy has really, really got something about him. And he joined um, Juventus from Barcelona in a deal back in September 2020 for £68.4 million, which suggests to you and suggests to everybody else that Juventus saw him as a huge talent. But unfortunately for Artur, it's not really worked out since he joined Juventus. And there's no getting away from that. If you look at his overall record since moving from 
Catalunya uh, to Turin. He's only made 43 appearances. He's scored the one goal and he's only managed or he's not managed a single assist. He's played 21 times for Brazil. A lot of people feel that he probably looked at least in the early stages of his career that he'd go on and play a lot more for for the Selecao, etc, etc. So this is a guy who, let's be honest, at 25 years old, is yet to live up to the hype that surrounded him in the earlier part of his career. Why is that? Not entirely sure. Um, Clearly not always in favour at Juventus. And obviously that doesn't help having to come in from the cold from time to time and then make an impact, as we've seen from some of our fringe players, albeit a lot of them are not good enough, is is not an easy thing to do. You look at some of his... um, performance ratings in the Serie A recently. You're talking about 6.6, 6.4, 6.7, 6.5 out of 10 with his best um, performance coming uh, in in a game against Cagliari where he got 7.1 out of 10. Where does he play? He likes to play in a deeper midfield position. Now, he's not a destroyer. He's not going to go in there and make really tough challenges smash into people, win the ball back. That's not what Artur is all about. Artur is somebody who's about starting play from a deeper position. And if I had to compare him sort of stylistically and in terms of his profile to a player in the Premier League today, I'd probably look at someone like Jorginho. You don't really know what category to put them in. Is he a defensive midfielder? Well, to a degree, yeah, because the majority of his time is spent playing in front of the back four. But is he a defensive midfielder by definition in the sense of his job is to break play up and win challenges. I think it's part of his job, but it's not the biggest, um, you know, the biggest role that he'll play. It's not the the be-all and end-all. It's not the the attribute that defines what Artur is as a player. So I think for me, he is very similar to Jorginho in the sense of he likes to get on the ball, likes to get on the ball in, in deep positions and try and dictate play. So, um, Yeah, I mean, matches played in the Serie A for Juve so far this season, seven. He's only started in three of those um, and he's averaging 39 minutes per game, which is obviously not very good. And that's why Arsenal probably feel as though if this is someone they see as a potential short-term fix for a position in which we have a lot of problems at the moment, they feel that Juventus could be tempted into doing this type of deal. Obviously, and and I don't know this for a fact, but if you sign somebody for around about, you know, whatever I said it was, was it 62, 65 million, um, 68 million, sorry. If you're talking about signing someone for 68 million pounds, the likelihood is that they're on a big salary. And Juventus may just appreciate having that salary taken off of their hands in the interim, if that's what Arsenal need to do to solve this issue. But it is a massive issue and it's one we desperately need to resolve. Now, Obviously, going into yesterday's game, I think all of us understood that we were in a position where we were short. Everybody understood that letting Ainsley Maitland-Niles go left us in a difficult spot. But I think most people hoped and thought that Arsenal would have something up their sleeves to get done in the very near future in order to deal and mitigate that risk. Then we heard just before the game yesterday that Granit Xhaka had tested positive for COVID-19. Now, I again... I don't know this, but people are saying um, that Granit Xhaka isn't vaccinated and that could potentially have a knock-on effect with regards to how long he's required to isolate for. Now, I don't know that. 
Um, so I don't want to really speculate on that. Listen, if he wants to get vaccinated, if he doesn't, that's up to him. You know, I, personally, I've done it. I think it's the right thing to do. But I also understand that there are people out there who have concerns around it and concerns around the kind of medical implications and, and maybe feel that they don't need it. And that's fine, too. So but I don't want to get into this kind of rabbit hole of should players be vaccinated or should they not? I've, I've made my opinion clear on that in the past. I just think that if he isn't vaccinated now, then obviously that makes the problem bigger for Arsenal as a football club. And it puts us in a place where we are even more desperate than we were 24 hours ago. And that was a pretty desperate position to be starting from. So Granit Xhaka is, um, is out at this moment in time. We don't know if he'll be available yet for the game against uh, Liverpool on Thursday. We don't know if he'll be available for the game against Tottenham. Um, at the weekend. And and without him, we're up shit street. You know, I said it yesterday on the post-match podcast, a lot of people give him stick, criticise him. A lot of that is justified. A lot of it is unfair and over the top, in my opinion. But I just feel like right now, um, we can't afford to be without Granit Xhaka. And although I was never completely 100% and totally convinced that Ainsley Maitland-Niles was a long-term midfield solution for the Arsenal, He's certainly at a much more advanced level than young Charlie Patino. And again, reiterating my point from yesterday, that's not because Charlie Patino's a crap footballer and not because he won't get better, but because he's still very young and he's still developing. And, and the same can be said for Sambi Lakonga, who's just not quite there yet in terms of finding that consistency every single time he plays. So we are in a real sticky position. You know, some have made the point since yesterday's game, and I think it's really easy to be captain hindsight, so I don't want to go too big on this, but, you know, could Callum Chambers have played, have played in that defensive midfield position yesterday, given he played there for Fulham previously? Could Ben White have stepped in to the midfield role? Could Martin Odegaard have dropped deeper? I think there was different options that Mikel could have taken, but I think in Mikel's view and eyes, Although going out of the FA Cup at the third round stage for a club like Arsenal with such a rich history in the competition, especially, is not acceptable. I think if you're being fair and reasonable, I think yesterday's FA Cup tie was at the bottom of the list in terms of priorities when you're going to talk about the two-legged semi-final with Liverpool. And look, is the Carabao Cup as prestigious as the FA Cup? Probably not in a lot of people's eyes, but we're in the semi-final of that. And of course, the North London Derby, which could be pivotal to our hopes and aspirations of finishing in the top four, five, six, whatever it is um, this season. So I think he had to make changes yesterday. He had to chop and change things. He had to play players that I think under ordinary circumstances, he probably wouldn't have wanted to start with. Um, but, you know, this, this is a great point from Harvey as well in the chat who says, why are we not more proactive before January? It feels like other clubs can be, but I might be wrong. Yeah, we should have had steps in place or we should have at least been at a, in a position where we were trying to make deals happen uh, prior to the January window. Now, I'm not saying for sure, um, you know, that that there hasn't been contact made with some potential suitors prior to the transfer window actually opening. You know, it'd be wrong to say categorically 100% that Arsenal haven't done that. But when you're 10 days into the month and you've still not seen anything um, and not even really any kind of credible links around midfielders, then you've got to start to question whether this was dealt with and acting on early enough. As I said, letting Maitland-Niles go, we, you know, the, the club will argue that they owed it to him. The club will argue that his, you know, sort of little outcry 
in the summer was the kind of start of this. And, and Mikel Arteta alluded to it in his press conference. He said that, of course, what had happened was that Maitland-Niles had agreed to give Arsenal um, in the end until December, and then they'd review things. Clearly, since then, he hasn't had enough minutes and the opportunity came for him to go. Now, I keep saying this, and I, I've, I've said to many friends and, and, and people I've spoken to in the aftermath of yesterday's game, if it were me running the football club, I'd have put my foot down. I'd have said, actually, you know what? I will let you go, but I need to get someone in first. And if you have to wait 10 days, two weeks in addition to, um, uh, you know, to the time that you've waited already, then so be it. I'm sorry. I understand your position. I understand your predicament as a young player wanting to make an impact, wanting to show yourself. But I need to put the needs of the team and the club first. And I don't feel like Arsenal have done that. Um, the, the, the flip side to that argument is that maybe Roma were very much adamant and very much clear on the fact that this deal had to happen now. Otherwise, it's a complete no-go, in which case that changes things as well. So I think there's a lot to consider here, but I just feel like leaving us so threadbare in midfield is, is inexcusable at this moment in time. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a big problem. Uh, Marcus in the chat says, you're always looking for an excuse. That's something I really don't like about you. I'm not looking for an excuse. I just said literally the words that leaving us that threadbare in midfield is inexcusable. What I am trying to do is trying to understand maybe how this situation came about and all the factors and cogs around this particular situation that led to us being at this point. It doesn't mean I'm in agreement with the way the club have dealt with it. It doesn't mean I'm in agreement with allowing Ainsley Maitland-Niles to leave. I'm just trying to look at it with a rounded kind of viewpoint and understand exactly what may have gone on here. So, yeah, I mean... That's where I'm at on the midfield thing. As I say, inexcusable to leave us that short. And 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 we need to do business and we need to do it quickly and we need to do it now. Um, you know, there's been some reports going around that Seher Kalasinac has been training um in midfield. Um, you know, that he's been training in a position whereby there's a view that he will then cover in that area of the pitch. Now, look, I, oh man, I don't want to see Seher Kalasinac play in midfield. Um, do I understand the logic behind it? Not really. If I'm really grasping and trying to clutch at straws, um, how can I, what could possibly be going through Arteta and the coaching staff's minds in terms of using Kalasinac in that capacity is that he's quite physical. I don't know. Again, clutching at straws here, but it's not something I agree with. I don't want to see say, Kalasinac starting in the midfield. Um, I'd rather see a Callum Chambers going in there. Um, you know, people have talked about, as I mentioned earlier, Ben White potentially uh, moving into that position. But then what you end up with is you end up with the, the situation and scenario where you have to break up a, a very successful central defensive partnership that served us really well this season. And again, I don't think that's right. Last season, one of my massive and, and biggest criticisms of Mikel Arteta and his team was that when we went into those games against Villarreal in the Europa League without a left back, um, we sought to solve that problem by weakening ourselves in two areas as opposed to one. We took Xhaka out of the midfield, which weakened us there, and we put him in at left back, which is a position that he clearly isn't you know, built to play. Um, and... 
and we were essentially as a team overall weaker in two spots when we could have just been weaker in one. And sometimes against a lot of opponents, you'd be able to kind of paper over the cracks with one position. If you're a little bit under strength in one position, you slightly adapt and you tweak things around that player to make, you know, the environment an easier one for them to navigate through. So, yeah, um, I think for me, it's it's imperative that we don't start dismantling other parts of the team that have served us really well this season in order to accommodate for the the mismanagement in midfield. I talked about Artur. I, I talked about that report that's doing the rounds that he is someone Arsenal are considering. That report does say that Arsenal are yet to make an official approach or contact with Juventus. So again, um, it, it's a consideration that the club are, are, are having at the moment. Um, and, and the reason for that is that although Bruno Gimaraish is someone that they much prefer and would much rather like to see come into the club, by you know all accounts at the moment, that is a deal that is, and I quote, unlikely to occur in January. So Arsenal having to potentially turn their attention elsewhere in the interim. Now, another player we're being heavily linked with is Danilo, uh, Brazilian midfielder. Again, um, I've been listening to Charles Watts earlier on today and I've read a couple of other bits and pieces. It doesn't seem as though anybody here is uh, has had any confirmation around that story and around the possibility of Danilo coming to Arsenal. So we're very much in a place with that one where there's a lot of air coming out from Brazil. Uh, the South American outlets are really going quite big on this story that Arsenal are considering a move for Danilo that will bring him to the Emirates Stadium this month. but. As far as we know, um, that has not really progressed at this moment in time, at the time of recording. But of course, with the need for Arsenal to move quickly, with the need for Arsenal to deal with this situation swiftly, you'd imagine that things could change pretty, pretty quickly and uh, and that we'd be in a position where we're trying to at least make these deals happen with, you know, as little or over as little time as possible. So, yeah, those are kind of my updates. Um, as I said to you guys a little bit earlier on, I'm not happy that we're out of the FA Cup. The FA Cup is a competition that has a very special place in my heart, uh, always has done from when I was a little kid. Um, it means the world to me. And I love that Arsenal have such a rich and incredible history in this particular competition. So I don't want to say that it's OK that we're out of the FA Cup. It absolutely isn't. And that level of performance, even though we were under strength, even though we had to make changes, was not acceptable. There was enough on that pitch yesterday to perform at a much higher level than what we showed yesterday. I think Mikel Arteta's reaction to the game um, in his post-match uh, interviews and press conferences was that of a man who was really frustrated. He was scratching his head as to why every now and again these types of lacklustre these lackluster performances just keep coming, keep happening, keep occurring. So. I think, yeah, there's um, there's a lot to be worried about and a lot to be frustrated about based on what we saw yesterday. But for me, the bigger takeaway is not that we were out of the FA Cup because, as I said, it's it's not acceptable. But for me, it was, let's finish in a good position in the Premier League this year, tunnel vision, anything else is a bonus. But I think you're right to prioritise the League Cup over the FA Cup now because we're in the semi-finals of that already and we were only we were only in the third round of the FA Cup. Equally, though, um, and so, sorry to add to that, the game against Tottenham at the weekend is huge. Um, but, you know, it doesn't excuse what we saw yesterday. But as I say, the big, big takeaway is the 
the dire position we find ourselves in with regards to the midfield. And we really, really need to sort that out. Right. Uh, let's take some of your questions. Fill up the chat box with your questions. I'd love to hear from you guys for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the show. Don't forget, we'll be back a little bit later on today with a second stream. So make sure you're involved uh, in that. Make sure you've got your notifications turned on. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you haven't done so already, we are well on the road towards 18,000 here on YouTube. Uh, I think we're around about 70, 75 subscriptions away. Uh, so if you could help us get there ASAP, that would be very, very much appreciated. This always happens, right? You get to this point where you're closing in on milestone and you go, come on, come on. And it just seems to all go much slower at that point. But we'll get there eventually. Uh, let me just bring you, bring you guys a quick message from our sponsors over at Pro Prep, who have kindly taken on the sponsorship of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast uh, for the next uh, few days. Uh, they say this is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering or maths related modules, and it can half your study time. Now, Pro Prep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed uh, from any device at any time, and it's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions. So you'll be ready. Uh, you can even submit uh, questions to the pro prep professors and receive a video answer back within 24 hours. And they've created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go over to their website, proprep.uk slash info slash football for more info. And our listeners can sign up for a free 30-day trial now. No credit card information is required. And that is because you are a listener to the Chronicles of Aguna. Check out the link in the description. Check them out. P-R-O-P-R-E-P. -E That's Pro Prep, the ultimate study tool. And we thank them for their support of the show. Support Pro Prep and your support in the Chronicles of Aguna. Right. Let's go over to the chat box. A big hello to Raphael Lim, who says, many thanks, Harry, for your insights. Is it possible that Arteta and Edu are considering an unknown player for central midfield? This happened in the case of Tomiyasu, who was previously unknown. Yeah, of course, Raphael, you know, just because the media and the press haven't got hold of something yet, it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And it doesn't mean um, that Arsenal are not actively seeking out someone who can come into the midfield. If you remember right at the start of the window, we'll be in heavily linked with Bologna's Matthias Zvanberg, who I think would be a really, really good option. That seems to have gone quiet a little bit. Doesn't mean it's dead, though. And sometimes, you know, we can get distracted by the noise and... And I think for me, look, as much as we're critical of Arsenal and the fact that they've allowed us to end up in this position whereby we're really short in midfield, I don't believe for a second that they didn't know that the midfield was a priority over the striker stuff. I don't believe for a second that in Mikel Arteta and Edu's minds, they were looking at the striking position and ignoring what was going on in the midfield. Yet all the noise so far this window has been around Vlavic and the striking position and Alexander Isak and Dominic Calvert-Lewin and anybody else that anybody feels like linking with us. So I think for me, there is a good possibility and a, and, a, and a strong possibility that Arsenal are working and have already been working on that midfield. And although to us as fans, you know, it was something that we were worried about. I think the real evidence of how severe this situation is presented itself last night. Doesn't mean Arsenal aren't already ahead of it, though, and trying to work on it. 
Uh, Scoop says, Wijnaldum on loan is what we need. He'd go straight into the team. I wouldn't be against that. You know, he's proven himself in the Premier League. Very good player. Genie Wijnaldum, very industrious, very hardworking. He's got a lot of attributes that would be great, uh, but also has that ability um, to, to play the technical side of the game to a really, really high level as well. Um, Jason says, honest question, if we're this light this season, if we do get top four, surely we don't have the depth to manage playing in the Champions League too. So how many players would we need in the summer? Yeah, you know, I always say that the first stage of building a team is to build the team, right? The starting 11 is what you look at building first and the depth that will come afterwards. That will come you know, later on, that will be the next port of call. But initially, you need to build a team that mirrors the way you want to play football as a manager. So although it's left us in a bit of a shitty position now, and and remember, you know, we've I think we've been done over here by, um, you know, the, the, the fixture situation at the moment. And, I, you know, I prefer not to speak, as Jose Mourinho would say. But, you know, the, the postponement of the Liverpool game hasn't done us any favours here. Um, and, and it's added to the problems and it's added to the, the issues that we've got now with a fixture pile up coming up at a time where we don't have players uh, to manage it. So, yeah, um, you know, it, we would need to add a lot of depth um, if we're going to get into the Champions League. But I, I would say let's not worry about that until we get to that problem. Let's worry about what we've got at the moment and let's worry about... Um, you know, dealing with this this difficult period. And then once you've built the team you want, I think we're quite close to having a starting eleven, if not there already, that Mikel Arteta really likes and believes in. The next port of call is is um is adding that depth, adding that strength. But Rome wasn't built in a day, I guess. Uh what else have we got? Um da, 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 da. Uh, Peanut Butter Jelly Time says, do you have faith in Edu to get the deals done given most businesses, given most business gets done at the end of the window? It might be too late for us currently. Yeah, look, this is a massive concern. I think when you're looking at having a successful season as a football club, and we've seen it time and time again, I mean, if you remember back to the Invincibles, I know we had obviously incredible success that year, but do you remember there was that one really defining week where we, um, you know, we lost in the Champions League, we were knocked out of the Champions League. We went out of the FA Cup as well. And those weeks can define your season. And this feels like that type of week, you know, an option, an opportunity to book a place in a final of a domestic cup competition, along with an opportunity to get one over on not just a local rival, but a rival who with whom we are fighting for a Champions League place or top five place, depending on how you look at it. Either way, Tottenham are a direct rival at the moment. So this could be a season-defining week. And that's why it's really upsetting and, and frustrating, frustrating that we're in a, a position now where we, um, you know, we we look so light. And, and being that light obviously chips away at the confidence going into these games, which is not what you want. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, big hello to Marion Watson, who says, keep up the good work, Harry. Thank you so much. Really appreciate uh, your kind words. Sajal Pandey says, why are Arsenal not going for Zakaria? Only six million he will cost. Perfect for the winter transfer window. Yeah, it sounds like a good option, um, but I don't know uh, where we are on that. I don't know that we have, um, you know, we have made a move or have not made a move. Again, look, we're, we're just a, unless you're in a position where you've got contacts and links and and I, I don't, you know, I've got 
what I'd regard as some, but not to the level like some of the big guys have, the, the Charles Wattses of the world, the, you know, the David Ornsteins of the world. They're all fantastic. And those guys, um, you know, when they speak, you listen because they've got the contacts and they've got the insight and the knowledge and the understanding of how things work. Like, I've never claimed to be at that level and I never probably will because, you know, for me, it's, you know, I think that's a really difficult position to get into and you need lots of hard work and 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 to be in with the right people and fair play to those guys because they've done an excellent job. But as I say, I can't say that we are doing this deal and I can't say that we're not doing this deal because the honest answer is that I don't bloody know. Um, I just like you guys am, am waiting and, and looking forward to um, to seeing how this all unfolds over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, a couple of you again asking when 90 Min returns. Um, yeah, we were planning to come back today, but we've got a couple of absences. Um, and uh, so we have delayed it uh, until Thursday, but we'll definitely 100% be back on Thursday uh, to look ahead to the up and coming Premier League games. And of course, look ahead to that North London derby. So looking forward to getting back uh, in the hot seat with the guys and discussing all the big stories. Uh, Tabrez Rahman says, uh, Harry being modest, he has tea and biscuits with Edu every fortnight. Yeah, <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wouldn't, I'd rather go for a meal. I'm not a big tea and biscuits man, I've got to be honest. It's more down my uh, my wife's street than mine. Plus, if you put a packet of business biscuits in front of me, the chances are that all of them will disappear in quick time and that, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that kind of carnage. Uh, right, let's, um, let's take one more uh dave r says uh morning harry from new york city great content as always thank you so much he says even though i'm upset i think we should not panic it shows we need depth to solidify our top four spot yeah and you know a lot of people um kind of made a big thing off the back of of the substitution that Mikel made right at the end of the game and look i know there were a couple of young players on the pitch with a uh, uh, sorry on the substitutes bench with an attacking prowess that potentially um you know, that potentially could have come onto the pitch instead of, say, a Kalasinac. But I just wonder if that was Mikel Arteta kind of saying to the to the club, this is where we've reached. This is the standard. This is the situation that we're in when it comes to a lack of depth right now. And was almost making a bit of a statement to say that we do need to bring in players. Look, there's a part of me that thinks that, but there's a part of me that thinks that the relationship between Arteta and Edu is at a point where I'm sure Arteta would have recognised, Edu himself would have recognised this as well and um, and wanted to take steps to to deal with the situation prior to what happened yesterday. Yesterday kind of shone a light on it for a lot of people and rightly so, but it, I, I don't think it was, it, it really changed the stance or position of anybody within the club anyway. But yeah, um, so those are my updates. That's what I think. That's what we've, uh, that's how I'm feeling off the back of that Nottingham Forest defeat. As I say, difficult one to process, difficult one to swallow. Uh, but I tell you what, if we get through against Liverpool and beat Tottenham at the weekend, I won't be crying over this one um, <laughs> in particular. But obviously always disappointing to go out of a cup competition, especially one in which Arsenal have such a rich history and have such a strong affiliation to. But it is what it is. We all knew that we didn't have the depth to compete on every single front this season. All I'm saying is let's not panic just yet. 
I mean, I panicked last season after we went out to Villarreal because for all the time that we were doing poorly in the league, I just kept saying to myself, this team is good enough to win the Europa League. This team is good enough to go out there, pull something out of the bag, win the Europa League and essentially override all the shit that we'd seen in the Premier League by booking a place in next season's Champions League group stage. And while that possibility and that option was there, I was very reluctant to go OTT and overboard. It doesn't mean I wasn't concerned by certain performances, certain aspects of what we were seeing, but um, that that's how I felt at the time. Now, um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking back to that point and, I, and I'm feeling the same. You know, it's it's not one of happiness. It's not one of acceptance. It's not one of, yeah, it's it's fine. It's, um, it's coming from a position whereby I recognise that we can't compete on all four fronts at three fronts this season, I should say, and that the likelihood of us doing that was always very low. However, that's only okay if you then go and do what you need to do in the other competitions and and looking at the situation, particularly in midfield, I fear that we we might struggle to do that unless we take significant action in the transfer market and quickly. Right, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As I say, we'll be back a little bit later on with another stream. So make sure you're involved. Make sure your notifications are turned on. Make sure you hit the like button on this stream if you haven't done so already. I can see there's over 200 of you watching us live right now. Just 58 likes on the board, though. Let's get that over the 100 mark. That would be much appreciated. And I'll catch you all very, very soon with more Arsenal and football-related chat. Until next time, goodbye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.